festivity here with the Train Like a Mother Club. We are doing a Q&A coach webinar today um, with coaches Jennifer Harrison and Elizabeth Waterstrat. They run our uh, heart and soul program in the Train Like a Mother Club. There is a, uh, there's a variety of programs here. We've got um, the intro to heart, running by heart rate. We've got a couple half marathon plans. We've got a 10K plan. Got two marathon plans and also a return to running plan if you're injured. So the range of coming back from injury to ripping it up in a marathon. And um, they're all guided by the tenet that uh, Liz and Jen put together, which is um, using your zones and your, your individual heart rate zones to govern your training and your racing. And so we're going to cover, I imagine, a lot of that today. We've got people here on the webinar with us, which is great. Thanks for joining us, you guys. Um, and... Uh, and but and we also I also have questions. Um, so if you if I read your question and you want to talk, please do because it's more fun to interact and sometimes it helps to get a couple more details. So, um, so before we get back to before we get into individual specific questions, I want to talk a little bit about just coming back to racing in general. Um, you know, I know that some people are still doing virtual, and I know that smaller races are coming back. But if somebody's looking at a race in May, in June, um, or even this fall, kind of what, what what would be your first piece of advice, Jen? Just because, you know, we've been out of the racing scene for 14, 15 months and, and you just actually did a race. So maybe you have some personal experience to share. Yeah, you know, I think it's complicated because I think a lot of different municipalities and areas of the country will go with their races. And I, then I think some won't be going. Um, you know, I was in Florida this past weekend, which is like a different uh, world. And so um, the race went that I did in Florida and then the races have been going in Texas and we've had some local races go. Um, so I think you just have to be ready for anything. I think the, be the best word for 2021 is just really be flexible. You can even have a race that's on a weekend. We had a time trial here that was approved and then on a first Sunday and they pulled the permits on Friday night. So- Oh, geez. Yeah, and some of it's a little bit non-COVID, but it, it all kind of comes back to, to COVID sometimes. So just be my best advice is be really flexible. Have a plan B. Don't panic if your race gets canceled, but be prepared for it to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, and Liz, when you're thinking about getting back out there racing after, you know, not having your racing, you know, not being in that scene for, you know, for a while, um, even if you're excited about it, it's kind of, it's going to be kind of new again, right? And also, um, I was talking about this with Coach Amanda on the on a previous webinar. There's a lot of people there, right? And maybe you may not even know subconsciously that you have kind of have this bubble around you, but all of a sudden you're surrounded by people. Like, how are you telling your athletes to kind of think about their first race? Is it is it go for it no matter what? Is it ease back into it? Is it a mix? I think it's a celebration. It's yeah. it's a celebration of everything we've we've gone through collectively, celebration of all the patience and hard work you've done just to get out there and have fun. I'm not saying lower the bar, but just a, like recalibrate the expectations. It doesn't have to be perfect if it's been a while, um, but just really focus on just how fun it is to just be out there with like-minded people and pushing yourself and just that race vibe. Yeah, yeah. I like it. I like the idea of a celebration. Yeah, for sure. Did it feel, Jen? I mean, I know I know you'd raced a little bit last <laughs> summer, but what did it feel like? I know your race didn't feel like a celebration, but um 
or it maybe felt it- like pure f and hell <laughs> All right. the whole time or just to the run no the swim felt great but uh, you know it's because i was wet um <laughs> yeah just a little bit of background it was a 70.3 which you know is hard it's hard regardless if you haven't raced in 19 months let alone just stand up and you know i'm a chicago girl going to florida you know and i i knew what i was getting myself into but i tend to i tend to have this problem of doing things that are comfortable for me i tend to do races that i excel at that i'm really good at flat courses really hard massively stupid swims those are the races i do well at and i thought you know what I, screw it. I'm going to go to Florida in April and it's going to, you know, it's going to rock my world. And, and, and it, and it did. Um, so it was really hard. I, I will have to say the non PC side of me was upset with my race, but the PC, I was really proud of the race cause it was, it was so hot, but at the same time, I actually did feel grateful. And I don't think I've ever really felt grateful for racing except after immediately after I had my kids and I was coming back and I was trying to get back into the scene. I was really grateful. After a while, you kind of get numb to the fact that we have this plethora, this, this, this bounty of races around us that we yeah. can jump in every weekend. And it's not like that anymore. So I did feel a sense of, of gratefulness when I was out there, which was nice. That's great. That, I love that. I love that. Okay. So um, we're going to, there's a lot of um, pacing questions. So we're going to, we're actually, let's start with a celebration question. I mean, it's Pat is going into week 11 training for the Glacier National Park half on June 26th. I mean, how much fun is that going to be? Talk about a celebration. It's going to be beautiful. Um, so her question is actually about climbing though. Um, so she starts, the race starts at 5,200 feet and the first five miles climb about a thousand feet. So more or less about 200 feet every mile. After that, it's pretty much downhill. There aren't many hills around here in San Antonio where she lives. Um, but my friend and I are making sure we regularly run what's available as we get our miles in. What can I add to the training plan? And what is there already that would help if we did more of? Um, so yeah, so kind of prepping for that first five mile climb, anything else that you'd recommend as she gets gets heading up to 5,000 feet. Uh, Liz, you want to, yeah. I'm sorry. Just, did you say she lived in Santa Fe? No, she lives in San Antonio, actually. Oh, so San different Antonio. sea oh. level. Yeah, okay. yeah. Woo-hoo. Okay. Um, okay, so let's, let's cover what can she do in training to prepare for that five miles uphill. So we know that you need to be ready to do whatever your pace is per mile times five at a slightly higher effort. So even if you're doing like threshold reps or a tempo, you know, just getting used to working a little bit harder at that, that like climbing effort, uh, and then settling into more of your goal pace. So, you know, a little bit different, like in most runs, you want to build, build, build as you go and finish stronger. She might have to do some repetitions where she starts out harder and then settles into pace. The good news is that once you run hard and then settle into pace, goal pace is going to feel so much easier. So that that's the beauty of the course that she's doing. As far as going from San Antonio up to altitude, there really isn't anything you can do at sea level to prepare for altitude racing. You would have to get there about two weeks prior to truly acclimate. So what the recommendation usually is, is get there as close to the race as possible so your body doesn't really pick up on the fact that you're at altitude. Um, 
but you know, the things to keep in mind when you race at altitude, you're going to dehydrate quicker. So you have to be really on top of your hydration. The minute you walk off the plane on the race course, no room for error there. Stay well hydrated, replace your electrolytes, that kind of stuff. Um, you will burn through carbohydrate quicker. So whatever you're normally used to doing in San Antonio for your carbohydrates per hour, you might need to bump that up a little bit. So keep, keep that in mind. Obviously, your pace will be slower, your heart rate will be higher. So, and everybody's response is different. Like, I go to altitude, it's a complete disaster for me. I, I just don't feel good. Some people don't even notice it. So, just have an open mind about how your body might react. And the other thing that people sometimes forget is you're closer to the sun. So, you're more likely to sunburn. So, even if it's like an overcast day, make sure you have some type of hat or visor on sunscreen so you're not going to burn because if the skin starts to burn you get into some overheating issues yeah that, the mom and me was just about to say that the, the, the colorado mom and me was just about to say that so more sunscreen than you think that you need and is there any um is there any benefit to doing more strength or anything liz or anything like you know after a long run to do i don't know some step ups or anything like that as far as just getting getting a little bit more ready for the hills or that long climb um, I mean, certainly she should have some hill work in, in her training plan. Um, strength work, you know, she's kind of getting within eight weeks of the race. So I'm not mm -hmm. sure I would add a, a new thing like that. If she's okay. regularly been doing it, keep it up. Okay. All right. And, um, just so you know, um, Gretchen, uh, Cross, who's doing the Pilates and many happy miles this month. Um, she says there are hills in San Antonio by Ronald Reagan high school in the neighborhoods, um, above there. Um, and Pat, if you don't know about those hills and you want to know about them, I can connect you with Gretchen because um, it's always good to, to find a new hill, right? Um, and then Courtney says, um, the Coppertone Clear Sport is her favorite sunscreen um, and the Tizo Mineral Sunscreen for her face. No singing. I love, I mean, stinging, no singing, <laughs> no singing or stinging. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's really important not to have that stinging. Um, okay, so that's that's Pat um, and her half marathon. Okay. Um, here's a, uh, Jessica question. Um, how should I pace myself for the half marathon split it into thirds and how will that relate to heart rate? Um, and before you, I, I want you guys to talk through this, but before you do that, I want you all to know that we have a, like a four, three page document called, um, either half marathon race prep and strategy or marathon race prep and strategy, depending upon which program you're in. It has, um, what you do two weeks out, one week out. Um, and then uh, race day, more the morning of, um, and then it does go through, it splits up the race. I mean, I'm holding this up right now, um, but it splits up the race into um, three chunks. Um, so just so you, I want, um, Jen, you can talk through it a little bit, but just know that you're gonna get this document if you haven't yet. Um, and it is very detailed and helpful. But, um, but if somebody's listening on the fly right now and wants to kind of get the bare bones of that, if you're pacing a half marathon, or running running a half marathon for time, seeing the best you can do, what's a good pace strategy? Sure. So you know, mentally, I would break it up into five k, ten k, five k. I'm off on a, some distance there, but in general, okay. Um, and use the first five k as a warm up, but but note that your anxiety, your um, nervousness will elevate your heart rate out of the gate, especially back to, you know, if you're at altitude and all that. So ideally we want to try to keep our heart rate lower in zone two for the first 5K and keep that 5K under control um, and build into it 
it's not really realistic sometimes because of the anxiety and the nerves. So just remember, try to work off effort on that too and, and try to keep that under control. Then the middle 10K for a half marathon is when you wanna to get to your goal effort, goal pace and hold it. And remember what that goal effort and goal, goal effort feels like at mile four is very different than what it feels like at mile 10 or 11. You have to work super much harder to maintain that, that pace, obviously as the race goes on. And so that effort can be into that zone three, zone four. We're not aiming to hammer it and to be in zone four and to kill ourselves. But if your heart rate elevates into that, it's okay for that middle 10K. Um, and so is zone three. And then the last 5K is what I just call, hang on, you know, for your dear life and mentally kind of get through it and tough it out. It will hurt and it will be really hard. I would just let everything go. Don't worry about your heart rate and just run as hard. I don't mean run as hard as you can, but run as, be uncomfortable in that last 5K. Be, be comfortable with being uncomfortable, knowing that that is what you came to do, right? Sometimes that's Correct. a good reminder, right? Um, it's okay to suffer. You can do hard things. You can do hard things. Exactly. Well, and she asked this, and this is a good um, coming back to your, because you ran a half marathon, your 70.3 triathlon has a half marathon in it, um, Jen. So she, Jessica also asks, any strategy for dealing with the heat? It's mostly been very cool during her training runs but she's worried it's gonna be warm on race day, which is gonna be mid-May. Um, I had one long run on a very warm day a couple of weeks ago, and it was kind of miserable, <laughs> um, which is normal. So any thoughts for her at, and for anybody, because the, the weather right now is schizophrenic, right? Like it's snowing here in Colorado, and now this weekend it's gonna be 75, right? So it's hard to know yeah. what race day is gonna be. It is really hard. And, and, and back to Elizabeth's point earlier, it takes two weeks, solid two weeks to acclimate to anything. And even that pure Floridians can excel in those temperatures because they've lived there their whole life. And then you bring people from the cold into hot um, or we wake up in the Midwest or Colorado and it's 80 and humid one day when we just came out of 40s. Those are the days that get a little bit tricky. So the best advice in a hot race, one, keep your expectations in check. Number two, start much slower than you think you need to start. Number three, keep your core body cool. What I did in that 70.3, so it was over 90 degrees, what I had to do in order to keep moving was take ice at every aid station, put it down my head, ice and cold water. And I kept my sports bra. It was completely packed with cold ice. And the whole time it was like this, thank gosh, I don't have huge boobs because it would have been a disaster. <laughs> and I kept it in my shorts. So I so keep your... <laughs> The point of it is, yeah. is keep your core cool because the yeah. more you can keep your core cool, the better you'll feel and stay as wet as you possibly can. Um, and do not be afraid. Do not be afraid to take walk breaks at the aid stations to give what you need. I think that that's a really important thing to keep in mind when we're talking about a hot race. There's no shame in walking. Walk because once you have a mechanical form breakdown, then the wheels fall off and you can't maintain that form. So if you just take a quick 30 second walk break, get ice, get your drink, get your, uh, you know, your fuel and regroup and then start running again, it works much, much better. So those are some of the key things with running in heat when you're not acclimated to it, speaking from experience. 
Nice, nice. <laughs> um, yeah, that's that's super helpful. And Pat just just wanted to throw this out, which is super helpful too. Thanks, Pat. Um, with regard to running, um, with all that you have in that last 5K, one thing Dr. Justin Ross told us um, in the performance session at the Ogden Retreat was that studies show that when you think your tank is empty, you actually have 30% more to draw from, right? The mind oh, is, yeah. is definitely the limiter. Um, so, you know, you are capable of more than you think you are. So, uh, so don't let yourself uh, tap into that 30%. Um, okay, so, uh, so uh, Liz, this one is for you. Um, so this is Caitlin and Caitlin's here. So Caitlin, if you wanna unmute yourself, feel free to do so. Um, her half marathon is in about a week. It's on Sunday, May 2nd, um, and it's an in-person race. Um, she's wondering how to approach the race because her training cycle was a little herky-jerky, she said. Um, it went well at the beginning in December, January, February. She just marched. Um, she missed a lot because she was dealing with some health issues, but she's back on track now. Um, she wants to have a good, strong, feel good finish, not targeting a PR or anything. She's nervous because the longest run she was able to do was only nine and a half miles. Um, my fully guesstimated approach is to start off in her easy zone one, two paces in the first um, three miles, gradually increase to her goal pace through the middle and maybe push a little, little faster than goal pace through the last few miles. Um, what do you think with a, with a 9.5 mile long run as her longest? Um, Courtney, uh, Caitlin, anything you wanna add? If you want to, you can absolutely unmute. If not, I get it. But Liz, what would you say? What are, your, what are some things that stick out there for you? Um, just a, a quick question. Is this the first half marathon Caitlin has done? Does she have a few under the race belt? I have one under my belt, but it would have been three years ago before I had my daughter. So it was 2018, had my daughter in 2019, 2020 was COVID and now I'm coming back, so. Okay, okay. So I, I think with that in mind, we need to be conservative here, especially through the first 10K. I mean, you, you've covered nine and a half miles, which is great. Um, I don't think you will regret starting somewhat easy to steady for the first 10K and then settling into your goal pace. And then if you get to that last like two, maybe three miles and you feel really good, then by all means push it. But I think I would just be conservative up front. Heart rate, do you need to follow that? Eh, I'm not the biggest fan of it on race day because you might be excited, which is a good thing. You know, the heart rate might be higher than usual. So I would say if you really wanna follow heart rate, let's say zone two to low three for the first 10K. And then from there, ignore the heart rate, lock into your pace. And then last three miles, goal fit pace feels like you've, you've held back too much. Go ahead and push it to the finish line. So running by feel more than running by the zones I've been training in. I, I think so. I mean, if, if you've been training and, and you've been relatively consistent you know, the heart rate zones are kind of there to push you along and hold you back. On, on race day, you should kind of just trust yourself, let it all come together, use it as a little bit of a leash. But I think if you said, okay, I just want to hold zone one to two for 10K in a race situation, you, you might find that, that you're kind of tripping over yourself. Not right. a bad thing. If you want to do it, you know, by all means do it. But I think it's okay if you didn't. Yeah, it sounds like, yeah, just keep it easy, right? for the most part for that first 10K and then kind of evaluate, Liz, is that what you're, is that kind of exactly. a one sentence cliff note there? How does that sound, Caitlin, to you? Yeah, I think I think that's doable. 
Okay, nice, nice. Well, and then you're transitioning yep. into um, running her first marathon in Chicago, actually, Jen and Liz. Um, she's going to go into the marathon level one plan beginning May 24th. So that gives her about three weeks. Um, uh, so we actually, well, why don't you ask? You have three weeks in between and you have a potential half marathon. Yeah. Um, June, so June 13th. Yeah. Yep. I've got three weeks before the marathon plan would kick off. And then piggybacking off of that is a half marathon that I'm signed up for in the middle of June. So I'm kind of thinking about deferring the second half marathon to next year just to kind of ease into the marathon plan and not burn myself out at the very beginning of marathon training. But I'm also thinking that maybe I'm overthinking and maybe that half marathon in June is more doable than I think it is. What do you think? What, Jen, you want to take that? Sure. You know, if you're motivated and excited to race, I would do it. Um, here's the thing. The better, the more practice, you're going to run 13 miles in training anyway. Um, you are coming off of one, so it's not like you're starting, and that would be a big jump. So, Caitlin, if you're excited to race and you want to do that, we can help you work that into the plan. Um, if that if that creates too much anxiety and you're like, eh, don't feel like doing it, then there's no need to do it. So it's kind of, you know, kind of as you feel with that one. Are, okay. Are you are you feeling excited for it now, or are you gonna kind of, or is it more of a wait and see to see how May feels, your May race? Kind of a wait and see how May goes. Uh -huh. um, June is also my son's birthday month, so trying to race the same weekend around his birthday, stuff like that, might end up being you know extra extra stress on that too. So um, yeah. that race was actually supposed to be in April and got pushed to June, so that's why it's kind of um, cutting into everything now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you've got a big year. So yeah. definitely it sounds like you um, take into account your lifestyle and happy birthday. So is your son going to be one or two? Um, my son is going to be six. My daughter oh. is turning two. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Sorry. No, it's okay. <laughs> I made That's an assumption. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Nice. Nice. Well, thanks for being here and thanks for the great questions. Good luck with your race on the second. We want to hear how it goes. All right. Definitely. Definitely. Thank you guys. Cool. You're welcome. Okay, um, so let's go into um, the, uh, well, you know, I'm just going to go, this is just kind of, they're not going to go in perfect sequential order, but that's okay. Um, Marissa's asking, um, my question is, how can you apply the lesson or approach of heart rate based training when you're not actively training for something? So if you don't have a race on the, on the menu or, or down the line, what, like, do you still really pay attention to your heart rate zones? What do you do, Liz? Do you, or do you kind of like light up the gates, so to speak? Um, I definitely, so in between when I'm, when I'm not racing or there's a long time until a race, I, I definitely follow my heart rate zones because that's, that's the time when you're probably most likely to get into trouble because sure. you're, you're pushing when you shouldn't be pushing. You really can't go wrong by running easy. I, I mean, of course there are, there are like the unicorns out there who run too easy and need to be pushed, but those people are, are very far and few between. So I think the heart rate just kind of, it keeps you in check and especially like, as we start to enter summer and it gets warm, it just gives us a window to what's going on in our body. And, and it's, it's, it's never a bad thing to follow. Sure. Um, and so if you, if, if uh, Marissa is thinking about, you know, okay, maybe she's going to do five runs a week, let's just make that. Um, so is, is it good to have, you know, 
spend most of them? Like, like how would you split up your time percentage wise in the different zones? Like, is she heading into making one workout intense a week that takes her up to zone four? Or is that, I mean, I know it's hard to make blanket rules like that, but if she wanted to push a little bit and not just stay easy. Okay. So if someone's running five times a week, I would suggest three times, keep those on the easier side, uh -huh. zone, zone one and two. Uh, and then, you know, you could, you could do a more intense workout if you like, if you have like a group track workout, you want to go run with your friends, you want to do fart licks, hills, I would just toss that in there, ignore, leave heart rate at home that day and, and just kind of run based on how you feel. And then in a longer run, let's say the, the fifth run is a longer run. I mean, your, your heart rate can definitely vary in all zones based on the terrain that you're running. Um, so I, I don't know that you have to stick to zone one and two for, for that, that run. So that's how I would lay it out. Okay, nice, nice. Courtney's in love with heart rate training. So she always just drops <laughs> down into the program. I love it, I love it. You go too hard without the rules. It is very, very yeah. easy to do. Um, okay, Lisa, so we're gonna head into the marathon situation now for a little bit. Um, Lisa is, um, she says to read the document that I just referred to earlier until the end, I promise. She's just feeling jittery after working so hard on this plan. It's gonna be our first marathon in three and a half years. Um, I have run this marathon course several times before, so that helps. It is fairly flat and fast. My long runs have mostly been great and I've always negative split. Often by the end, I'm running one minute per mile or more faster than when she does at the beginning. Would you say my pace in the last few miles of a long run is a fair estimate of what I can aim for in race day or is that too aggressive? What do you think, uh, Jen? Yes. So first of all, that's absolutely spectacular. And I think we just need to have a moment of silence to, to acknowledge how awesome that is in, in, in long runs. I mean, really? So, yeah, that is really cool. I agree. I agree. I, I mean, that doesn't happen that. very, that doesn't happen very often. I mean, it, it should happen more often than not. And in short runs, it happens a lot, but when we're talking a long run, great job on pacing, fueling, nutrition, way to go. Yeah. Um, so my question is, is, Yes. So goal marathon pace never feels good because if it feels good, it's too easy, but it should never be like, Oh my God, I'm dying. I'm dying. I'm dying. Cause then it's too hard, but there's outliers heat, obviously altitude. And then if you just have a crappy day. So in general, yes. If you, let's say you're doing 15 miles and your last four miles are at nine minute miles. Um, and your heart rate is not completely maxed out in zone four. I mean, that's fair fair for that to be your, your goal marathon pace. The key is to, the key is that make sure that you're not, it's not a 10 K effort because we can all do that. Right. Once you get fit. So you have to kind of marry your effort with your, your output. And that gets a little tricky, but in general, that's a fair question and attainable. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, good luck, Lisa. Have, have fun with that. And if you have other questions, um, she emailed that one to us, but uh, she is on Facebook, so you could ask a couple more questions if you want any to drill down any more, but go have fun. Gosh, that's awesome. I'm excited yeah. for you. Um, okay, Melanie, who is here. So Melanie, oh, yep, she is still here. If you want to unmute yourself and talk, you absolutely can. She um, is returning from injury, and uh, she wants to substitute uh, one run a week with a bike ride. Um, if that's okay, which run should it be, and how, do I, how does run intensity translate to ride intensity? Um, so actually Melanie, can, do you mind unmuting yourself or if you're on, uh, I'm good. Oh. Thank you. Oh, there, there you are. Okay, sweet. Hi. Hi. 
Um, so talk about, tell us where, tell us what you're doing and, and um, what your injury is and yeah. So I started in December with the uh, half marathon by heart rate training program with, with Janet Liz. And, and as they know, because I talked about extensively on Facebook, I hurt my shins really badly in February and I'm still recovering from that. And I'm seeing a physical therapist and, and then, then, um, I joined the marathon program starting May 24th because of this whole virtual Boston thing. And when would I ever otherwise run Boston? Um, but I'm thinking in order to prevent injury, I would just rather hop on the bike. One of those runs, which run should it be? Um, I have a plan yes. with my PT to keep it super easy until May 24th. So um, just three weekly runs, super low intensity, no intervals, no nothing. And hopefully then I'll be ready for the actual marathon training starting at the end of May. Okay. Well, first of all, I could go on and on and on about the benefits of cross training. So for you to want to bike or swim instead of run one day or two days is fantastic. I highly encourage it, especially with shin splints and other tendon, uh, you know, muscular issues. So if you were going to bike, just I would just sub it for you a couple things. If you're coming off that shin injury, you're not doing any intervals now. If you're still in pain, don't do the intervals on the bike either. So just you need to substitute an easy run for an easy bike. Um, the good news with biking is you can bike a little bit longer than running without having any kind of impact on that. So let's say it's a 45 minute run. You can bike 45 minutes to 60 minutes if you'd like to, just keep the effort the same. So that's how I would do that. To take it one step further, if you are not in pain and you're listening to this and you want to substitute the bike, you can substitute the bike, but it's not my dog. I don't have a dog. Uh, <laughs> um, you can substitute the bike and you can do intervals on the bike as long as it's, you're not painful, as long as there's no injury issues or anything like that. So a lot of runners all have to do intervals in the swimming pool or on the bike because they're coming off of an injury. So you can do that too. But Melanie, with your coming out of shin splints, just keep everything easy. Can I ask you a follow-up question? Yeah. So um, uh, I know that heart rate on the bike isn't the same as heart rate on a run. I do ride by power zones. Can I just roughly take zones one and two on the bike? Power zones, yes. heart rate yes. one, two. Okay. Awesome. Yes. And in general, heart rate on the bike will trend five to seven beats per zone lower than the run. So that's kind of how it trends. Um, five to seven beats lower on the bike per zone. But yeah, power zones can 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 crisscross heart rate zones. Thank you. Yep. Um, and then Melanie, I'm just going to follow up with a couple other questions just so you don't get off and you're like, ah, um, she was wondering, is uphill walking another good, is uphill walking a good cross training alternative? Like would that help her if that didn't hurt her shins at all? Yeah, if that doesn't hurt your shins, you can do that. Just like I also encourage hiking. Um, and in fact, when people do long course racing, like Ironmans and ultras, yeah. something that I add to the plan is a lot of hiking. Um, just making sure that it doesn't hurt your shins, but yeah, hiking is a great alternative or uphills. As okay. long as you're not coming off of a shin injury on your treadmill at 12% walking too aggressively, that, that tends to borderline too much. So make sure it's, it's, you're doing it in sec, you know, you're smart about it. You're not climbing on Everest. Thank you. <laughs> We're not doing the Everest challenge. Yeah. Right. Here. Okay. All right. Well, and then the last questions that I have here. So if you guys have other questions that you want to hit um, Jen with right now, Liz is, seems to have left the building for a minute, probably has a family thing going on. Um, 
uh, you can put them in the chat button or again, you can unmute yourself. Um, but um, Alana was asking, uh, how do you possibly consume all the calories, carbs, and sports drink and water necessary in an hour? Do the amounts based vary based on size and what about speed? And then also Melanie was asking if she's doing running by heart rate, she's taking walk breaks. So should her fueling plan be the same if she's doing a run walk as the same as a, what she says is a proper run? Sure, sure. Yeah, so let's let's address the let's address the calories and carrying that on your run first. Okay. So yes. So let's pretend let's just pretend you don't have a you're doing it in training and you don't have aid stations and stuff. And something of note any aid stations with COVID, people are not handing things to you anymore. So one of the things that's really important is to practice taking cups, gels, bars, bananas, whatever you guys eat that you're gonna they're gonna offer you on your half marathon course or your marathon course with a table with other people. So be ready for that. Um, in Florida, they did actually it was because it's an Ironman branded event. They did hand us stuff on the bike, but not on the run. So we had to, we, I looked at the, the athlete guide. So go to your race, find out what's on served on the course, find out the order of everything. The first, they're going to give you water. Second, they're going to give you Gatorade third. So just be ready. Just a little PSA on how things have changed with COVID and, and how a little bit more challenging it is to get what you need in a really hot race. Okay. So back to carrying stuff. You should in my opinion, if it's a hot race and a long race, carry something if you're concerned about not getting it from the aid stations. Most rate local races do not have enough aid stations in order to fuel yourself properly. When you go to the big dogs, Chicago, Boston, um, if you're a triathlete, the Ironman branded races, those races will have enough fuel for you. But the other ones don't. So you want to carry either like a handheld Nathan, uh, something around your, your waist that you like, Anything, uh, camelback, if you're allowed, you have to make sure your rules allow that because not all races are allowed that. Um, a camelback, something that carries your fluids in there. So that's how you can get your fluids. And you can refill them at some of these aid stations um, if you need to. And then you would carry your gels or whatever you're going to eat in, in like a little pocket on your waist or you're gonna take it from the course. But you just kind of need to do all the logistics and all the math of everything before you get to the race start. Okay. And this is, um, I know we've, we've covered it on a couple different groups, a couple different webinars, but it, it bears uh, repeating just because we're coming in racing season. So I think Alana's question, Perfect. who, um, you know, have you met her at the retreat? She's kind of a smaller person. You know, and we've said about 200, 250 calories, 40 to 60 grams of carbs an hour. She's wondering, does that vary at all? Like, you know, maybe she's, maybe she's doing a run walk and not going for time and she's a smaller person, like... How do you, does it come down to a hundred calories? I, I know you can't just absolutely no. individually diagnose easy, for her. It's an easy but answer. Yeah. It's easy. No. no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sorry. So, Sorry. This is a real, oh, so yeah. Jen, here's like real yeah. question. How do you get that many calories okay. in you? Like I use Gucci. You want to listen? Kind of listen, how many calories I ate on yeah. the bike. Now I'm on the bike. So keep this in mind. 370 calories I took in per hour on that bike ride on Sunday. 370 calories. Where do you, so what are you literally, what are you eating? Barbecue chicken. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> no. Um, I mean, yeah. <laughs> um, no. Okay. Let's let me, let me be serious for, for you for a second. Um, when you're running, 
you need to take in 200 to 250 calories an hour. Like Dimity said, 30 or 40 to 60 grams of carbs an hour. The best way to get those in is sports nutrition. It's tried and true. It's effective. It's and, and you just need to train on it. So think about it. Each gel has 100 calories in it, give or take. So you're in, in general going to take in a gel every 30 minutes while you're running. But, but Elena, you like to choose, which has, I mean, those are, isn't it? That's the same. It's 80, it's 80 per four, right? So I'd be eating a sleeve and a half an hour. I feel like I'm going to vomit all over the course. Yeah. Well, that's, that's tricky. Is there anything else that, okay. You can carry your handheld drink and that Mm -hmm. should have calories in it. Okay. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like I typically only run with water. I'm happy to change yep. that up. Maybe we should change that up and look at something with a sports drink that has electrolytes and calories in it. Okay. Um, okay. Now, here's one thing that people do, which you can, you can, you can, noon is an electrolyte tablet for hydration that, you know, we sit around at our desk drinking in our water bottles and you mm-hmm. should. And you can do short races off of noon, but when things get longer, it gets a little complicated because there's no calories in it. Okay. Mm-hmm. And we're trying to get calories in. So something else like uh, Scratch, Tailwind, EFS, Accelerade, you can. There's a lot of products out there that offer calories, sports drinks, and electrolytes. And that's really what you should be drinking. And what I would recommend is when you get to the aid stations in the run, you supplement with water. Because we're trying all of these hydro, all of these um, sports gels and bars and stuff are isotonic. They need water in order to, they're water soluble. They need, they need water to, to, to digest. And a lot of times the reason people have GI issues is they're not taking in, they're either taking in too much, too little, or not enough water to, absor- to take in the absorption of, of everything. So I know that's complicated. I'm just giving everybody out there that's listening options and you kind of have to kind of work with it with whatever works for you. Um, you can you can you can drink water for shorter stuff, but if we're getting into the half marathon or marathon, you might want to consider a sports drink. But uh, let me just ask. Okay, so I have a um, a chocolate mint goo, and I'm washing it down with orange Gatorade, and I feel like I'm going to or orange you can or something like. That's the only thing is I feel like it gets to be like a little bit too much. Is there any you know? It is, like, and that's why it's too much. Yeah, and that's why. So either one, you have to practice it in training. So some people can do it. It is a lot. You either practice it in training. If you're one of those people that that does not work, that combo does not work, and that's kind of normal because that's a lot of stuff going on, then you can carry, you carry your, you either carry water and take sports drink from the aid stations, okay. and then you're always sipping on water with your gels. Okay. Okay. And Elena, I mean, do you, I'm just curious, do you just eat, you, do you usually have, right now, are you at four chews an hour, would you say? Do you eat about half a sleeve an hour or? So I admittedly am a runner who has done a really, really crap job of fueling. And I think it right contributes to a lot of my issues. Um, Lately, I have been after I heard this kind of number that Jen and Liz put out in the world, um, I have been taking two chews and drinking, I feel like seven ounces of water every half hour. Um, And that's been fantastic. But Clearly, I need more chews. Sure. Fine. Um, right. And so I'll, I mean, I'll try yeah. mixing some of play those around, different things around. in 
but yeah, what I find is if I, I have to kind of break it up probably into about every half hour okay. segments. Um, one of the things in this, um, Jen and Liz both vetted this and um, it's just in case you want to go deeper even into this, into nutrition, um, we have a, it's called um, Nutrition for the Half Marathon and Marathon, I think. It's a $20 program in the Train Like a Mother Club. Stephanie Howe, who is, um, was our, our uh, ultra coach um, for a long time, and she has a PhD in sports nutrition, wrote it. Um, and it's literally a document with a video to watch or a podcast to listen to. And um, she, her, her recommendations are very similar in the 200, 250 range. Um, start early drink a lot, you know, I mean, it's, it's very similar, but um, just if you want something that's like, okay, I want to, you know, have something to reference, um, it's worth checking out, um, just FYI. Um, so thank you, Alana, thanks for uh, a good question. Um, and then um, going back to Melanie's question, if she's doing a run walk and she's still, that's still a proper run, right? She's still fueling the same way, right, Jen? Yes. Yes, okay, just wanted to Here's keep moving. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then here's another one from Melanie. Um, how does she take a heart rate test if the if running an effort still hurts after her shin splints? Should she take her last heart rate test results as a starting point? So yeah. So how does she start back once her shins feel better? Uh, just because you talked to her earlier, Jen, do you want to just feel that one too? Sure. Um, you know, I would use your, don't do a heart rate test until you're physically uh, healthy enough to do a heart rate test. So use your old zones. And then once you're healthy, retest. All right. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sure. Awesome. All right. Are there any other questions, um, you guys out there, hanging out out there? Uh, all right. Liz, anything you want to send people off with um, as they head off into the wild blue racing yonder? Any any um, words of wisdom? Just have fun with it. it, it it's, it, you know, don't, don't, don't read too much into it. Don't write the end of your story based on the first race of the year after not racing for over a year. Just reconnect to the fun of it and, and go see what you can do. Yeah, yeah. Courtney says I'm racing tomorrow. My heart rate's already in zone three. Oh! That's awesome. Yay, Courtney, you'll Courtney. kick us off. Yeah, yeah, have yeah. fun in your writing. That's right, I love that. Don't write the end of the story based on what is gonna happen, right? Based on whatever your race is or whatever the pandemic dealt you. You guys, it's, we do have We've got a ways to go, but we have a huge, huge clearing in front of us and the celebration and, you know, getting back to the things that we enjoy around the people that we enjoy is going to be really fulfilling. So, so soak it all up as, as Jen did. So, all right, you guys take care. Good luck with everything. We'll see you on the Facebook page. Jen and uh, Liz, we'll see you with office hours. Um, email. I've got office hours mean. Monday. Everywhere. Yep. Everywhere. Everywhere. <laughs> Everywhere. <laughs> All right. Take care, you guys. Have a great weekend. Bye. Bye. Bye.